Hello and welcome to the Reinforced Running Podcast. My name is Rich Ryan. Today we are talking to Mick Jarello. Mick has been on the show a while back and he is hands down one of my favorite guests that we've ever had. He's so easy to talk to, has a lot of great insight. So we kick things off, we talk about the Canadian series, which is going to happen. It's definitely going to happen. So we do a deep dive on that and a little bit of the experience of doing the Canadian uh, series, which I thought was very insightful. Then we talk about some specific running tactics. We get into a little bit of the contract talk of the Spartan stuff toward the end, since Mick is one of the best obstacle course race athletes that we have in the entire world. And he is running the Canadian team. He's a three-time Canadian Spartan Series champion, uh, and he's done really well in the OCRWC, and he really is one of the best and maybe flies under the radar a little bit just because of exposure uh, of the Canadian Series in general. So he has a tremendous insight, uh, awesome athlete, smart guy, his trainer himself as well. So I think you're going to really like it. All right, let's do it. All right, Mick, my guy. So I am thrilled to have you back on. It's been... It was pre-pandemic last time you came sure. on the show. That was de- I sure just went was. back and checked. One of the most popular episodes we had, have had still to date it was um, December of 2019. So for uh, but things so things are much different now, um, and especially like a lot of the listeners here uh, um, uh, are stateside. So during this conversation, I do want to talk a lot about the Canadian series because you are a veteran of that. You've won it three freaking times and you are one of the best in North America and and you've done it in the Spartan race circuit and in the OCR like world championship circuit. So uh, huge base of knowledge when it comes to training and uh, competing. But I do want to talk about the Canadian series to start off just because uh, now that things seem like they're going to be opening up, it could be cool. Another race opportunity for people on, on both sides of the border potentially. So, oh yeah, I'll just ask about that too. So are we thinking it's going to happen? How are you feeling? Where's your head at? You know what? I mean, fingers crossed, of course. And I feel like our minds up in here in Canada have just been constantly like hopeful and then looking at the series. And then when things change, kind of adapting and stuff like that. Right. Um, originally like you were looking at the series being five races or three races, and now it's gone down to two. So, um, again, that kind of made things interesting, you know, a two race series, ultimately like, you know, you can't drop your worst performance and, uh, (laughs) you know, also, also it kind of just puts you against people on two venues and that's all you have. Right. So, and right now the two venues they've chosen are very different from each other. So in terms of distance and terrain. Uh, so again, you know, being someone that wants to prepare for it, uh, you're constantly reevaluating like how you're building into it, what you need to do, you know, what you're doing on your base side, what you're doing kind of leading into it and then how you're going to kind of switch gears once one of them's finished. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's been, yeah, it's been, it's been really, um, I mean, no, you know, Spartan Canada is doing the best they can to try and get races here. Um, but again, it's, you know, obviously they have to be out there, uh, working with the venue, building, building everything, getting things set up weeks before. So, uh, they need to know well in advance and, and, uh, again, things just, things just kind of get, you know, thrown into a loop and then, uh, they're they're trying just as hard as everyone else to be at a race. So um, I think it's going to happen in September. We'll see. It's, it's a Red long Deer way is, to wait. Red Deer is in about a month. 
Red Deer has again moved oh, no. from the 21st to September 11th now. Yeah. Oh, God. I got so, so I just pushed it back like two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Just okay. in case, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, same so- venue. And Red Deer is a very interesting course, right? Um, obviously, Red Deer is one of my favorite courses because coming from Manitoba, I feel like I can actually simulate the terrain I'm going to be racing on. Um, so it's a very, it, it's not what you think of in Canada. It's, a, it's not one of those big mountain races. It's uh, kind of on like a um, equestrian farm reserve with a, a, an open park area and stuff like that. So a lot of like really fun single track trails with some good windy stuff. And then, you know, you got some open field running and uh, there's also a river that goes through it. So you've got a lot of like bank running, plus they pop you in and out of the river a bunch of times. Um, and so it's a smaller venue. So you kind of are just in and out and back into the gauntlet and back in and out. We'll see how they do it this year, but, uh, it's, it's definitely a course for where I'm coming from that, uh, I should, you know, I should be able to simulate kind of what I'm going to be running on, which is always nice, which I'm not used to (laughs) other than that. Exactly. Other uh, than that race venue, that's about all I have to train for so you got to win that one and you you do well that you do a, real well at red deer right you've won it a couple yeah, of times a good one. Yeah. yeah and and all things considered you know we talk about the canadian series and everything but we all know uh mr canada himself uh the the best canadian ocr racer uh goes and does the u.s race series and you know not all the guys from out east come out west every year and mm. so there's good competition all sides but I think this year, you know, having everyone potentially come together, it's going to make things very interesting. And all of a sudden, Ooh, yeah. um, you know, all of a sudden that top 10 is, you know, you look at kind of the U.S. series just to explain it to people. You know, you have kind of those top, top guys, but then you have quite the battle of, you know, guys that just put in tons of effort, great training, amazing athletes, and they kind of battle for that position two to 12, you know, and any given day, they can be any of those places. And I feel like that's kind of where we're at in Canada, where we have like a really solid base of uh, guys competing. And and it's great because everyone comes prepared. And yeah. So you were talking about Ryan Atkins. I think it's fair to say, I'm just going to go ahead and (laughs) who's he talking about? It's like, it's like, I'm scared to say his name or something. (laughs) (laughs) He'll just like show up at the next race. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, it's great to have him there. He's came to a few Canadian races when it's worked out with the schedule. And it's always nice to um, jump into a race with him and kind of just, you know, compete like that. But that hasn't been for a few years. So, And I wonder now if, uh, well, like, because um, Blue Mountain, because he's from Ontario, right? So, like, that would be closer to where, but he lives in Quebec. I don't really know his deal. Close yeah. yeah. So... You would imagine he he could show up for that one, depending on the when. What, what day is uh, sure. the mountain? That one's late October, like October twenty third now. Um, so it'd be late October, which would be an interesting course. It's going to be. I mean, a lot of people know that venue from OCR World Championships a right. few years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I I mean, usually mountain courses, I have to work super hard just to be somewhat in the mix for. Um, so. But it's not a, an altitude race, which right. is nice. You know, you, uh, you have a good mountain in front of you, but um, you're not throwing that into 
into the mix. So um, that's good. Yeah, you did well there at the 15K when it was when the OCR World Championships were there. What were you sixth, fifth or sixth at that course? Yeah, like I, I did, I got sixth, and then um, I think fifth place got bumped out. So technically, I was, was that Woods was was Woods yeah. cheating. It's Woods yeah, exactly. Woods was out there cheating. So you're fifth. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, it was it was funny. That was like my A goal, fifth, and I think writing it down, you know, all of a sudden somehow the universe allowed me to bump up to <laughs> just to, just to kind of say I hit my goal. But, uh, yeah, yeah. You, you manifested a top five finish. That's, that's, that's a right. whole podcast on its own. The, right. um, so you guys think, so yeah, when you think about some of the top male competitors, you know, from coast to coast, I can think of probably five that if they showed up at any race, like in the world, right? They'll be probably in the mix between like top 10, the top 15, top 20, just coming from Canada. Are you guys thinking there, are you adding some depth in that top 10, top 12, For 15 sure. now? Yeah. And a few guys are coming back. Um, one of one of the best racers um, kind of out in Quebec City, Benjamin Morin Boucher. I mean, he took a few years off because he was in the military and mm. actually was deployed. And then, so... Um, he didn't race for a few seasons, but people forget, you know, he had a streak of like 35 Spartan races in a row where he didn't lose. Oh, um, wow. He was kind of one of the OGs back out East when I got into it and you kind of show up and you get to know some of the names of the guys who are already veterans in it. And, uh, he's a guy that, you know, um, is always like in crazy good shape and, you know, he's won the, uh, military, uh, obstacle racing championships for like their course, which is pretty mm. cool. And, uh, yeah, no, he's a great guy. I've raced against him a bunch of times. And, um, so yeah, I, I would say there's a few guys like that that are kind of coming back after a few years out of the circuit. And, um, like I said, you know, I've, I've points wise, let's say won the Canadian series a few times, but you know, some of those races were so close and they were, they were decided on like one obstacle or one section of a course where people don't realize how close it was and who was really battling it out for so long. You know, you just look at top three or whatever mm -hmm. else, but uh, some of those fourth and fifth guys just didn't have the day they had that day. And, you know, we could be having a totally different conversation um, minus, you know, one or two small ways that I kind of was able to stay consistent and win enough. But, you know, when it comes down to it, I know there's 10 other guys that could have easily been saying that exact same thing if they showed up to all the races or uh, they had, you know, a couple other well put together races where one thing didn't go wrong or something, you know? So it's cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. And we're seeing that more, even just the U.S. National Series race uh, that was just in Utah, you, you had mentioned just offline, we were, we were talking about for a sec, that, you know, a guy like Robert Killian or Johnny Luna Lima, like they don't have their best day and they're like closer to 20 than they are 10. You know, there's right. that many people that can really fill in and yeah. it's not like you can't have an off day and still like make the podium or make some money. Like you need to really be prepared and be able to bring it that day. For sure. It was um, good to watch. I watched that um, live live thing, just hiking on the treadmill this morning. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, 
yeah, just the re- it, it was nice they didn't put any music to it or anything because you can really hear people working. I mean, um, it was nice to see like kind of the battles and and the course a bit more and and certain obstacles and so yeah, I think I think it's nice it's nice to see some new guys kind of popping in and and showing up and and of course like you see the experience on obstacles and just understanding your body over like a two hour race where some people still you know, you never know where that surge goes in the first 45 minutes that maybe, um, comes back to haunt you in the last 30 minutes of the race, you know? And, um, I started, I started racing on beast courses and and those are still my favorite distance. So it's, uh, it's going to be interesting doing that second race of this series at a beast. It'll be good. At least you get two different distances on that. And it was interesting watching the, um, watching that coverage, it was, I found myself really enjoying it. I was also working out while watching it. And like, I wasn't yeah. sure like what the coverage was going to be like, cause I knew Magita mm-hmm. was there. So I didn't know if he was going right. to voice over the whole thing. He didn't. It was kind of like yeah. up to our interpretation of what was kind of happening. Right. You, and like the day before I sat and watched like the freaking Athlinks page refresh. Oh so, no, like, <laughs> <laughs> I gave up on that. Yeah, I was just I was dead set. So I kind of had an idea of like how the race was kind of playing out. So like then when I saw it visually, I was like, oh okay, like there's there's uh, Jamie Brusa, there's Casey Monroe. That's when they were in the top six, seven, and oh like this is them. And like so I was able to like kind of know what was going on. Could you could you follow it at all? Were you able to know what was Not happening? Not really. No. I was actually hoping – I was away that day. I just went in and did a cool little run where you actually have to wade through like probably a three-quarter mile section that's about up to your knees on like a sandbar to an island and then huh. did, a, did a run out there and kind of just enjoyed the weather. We've been having really nice weather here. So um, I just accepted that I would kind of hold back and, and watch it later on. But of course, you kind of catch some social media stuff and then you're more excited to see what actually happened. But um, what I found interesting is because they weren't just doing voiceovers and stuff, you got to hear the rabbits, right? Mm. You got to hear those guys filming and what they say. And you know what? That's one thing people don't realize. Like when you're battling it out and everything, you still have good little comments from like the volunteers and from the photographers and stuff like that. And you kind of realize like, um, even just watching like Hawk call hit the spear and, um, that was everyone cool. like you could just tell the people that were there to watch him were so excited for him. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's cool seeing someone like flip the tire, flip it again, kind of get caught up in, uh, the excitement, but then flip the second tire and kind of, I don't know if you saw it, he got a little, it got a little woozy and had to kind of take a deep breath and be like, okay, I kind of got caught up in, you know, we've all been there. You go through the festival area and, uh, you kind of forget <laughs> your pacing strategy and stuff or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, it helps you get through it. But then all of a sudden your body's like, Hey, listen, like we can't, we can't perform like this long, you know, for a while. So chill out a bit and go his, for it. His, so his brain will shut him down in that moment. It's like, Hey, yeah, it's great. Chill. It's, great. <laughs> it's cool. to uh, see. It's cool to see athletes. Cause like, you know, you go through, you go back to your first couple races when you had those moments where you were like, Oh man, like this is, I need to work on this or I need to do that. But if you're fit enough, you're still in the mix. You just kind of can make or break certain sections. So it's cool. 
Yeah, and it was great seeing the young guys. Like, was watching yeah. the dude Rylan Shadeg from like come from like fifth or sixth and end up in second and uh, hot call. That was just fun. Like, it was like yeah, yeah, his whole family there, and it was like exciting to kind of see. And so, like, I mean, someone like Rylan was from the outside. He's new. I mean, hot call is kind of like is just kind of like in his blood. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of it's it's it, it's optimistic to me seeing younger athletes come in and do well. In the on the Canadian side of things, how well is are things going in terms of like bringing in new people? Like, what's the exposure like? Like, how how are how's Spartan Race Canada helping bring in new new athletes, if at all? So I think I think we were kind of in um, a state where management changed a few times, mm-hmm. and over the course of that, you know, um, when management knew they were in their final year they weren't really worried about next season, right? They knew they were sticking to this season, but then there was no outlook or excitement on the next season. And because of that, there was a little less pressure on them to have a good experience once they got people there to make them come back. Mm. Right. Like how, like what would that, how would that, how would that like be presented? Like what made you feel presented. like that? So yeah. maybe like less, less ads um, leading up to it or less promos or less, uh, less money put into things that would improve the lead up experience and whatever. Um, if people are already signed up. So let's say, you know how, um, like trail master Hammond will like come on and give a little course preview or, uh, they'll do some, some things leading up to it. Or you do a course, uh, you do your little like course strategy episode where you look at the course, which is really cool. And, uh, it's, it's interesting. We didn't have, like, we've never really had a lot of it. And the only time we had really good social media and kind of excitement around the races was when, uh, one of our build crew guys who was like a super talented digital media guy just did it for free. And he did all of it and he took off some photos and, um, and that, and you saw the community building because of it, because there's more hype around it. People were excited about it. They saw, saw things before. And, um, then that kind of fizzled out. And then Spartan, um, us kind of took over, like Spartan HQ took over all of Canada. So now we're, we've got all the same obstacles. We've got kind of a unified, um, kind of system and they put some really good people in kind of the key roles. And so I think it's going to take a year of kind of experience again and people are excited to race again. And I think they'll, they'll be reminded how good the races can be again this year. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited. Even if it's only for a few really good races, I think it's going to be good. Cause it, I mean, the, the amount of athletes who come into the global scene from Canada and do well, like, does it seem like it's more embedded in like the culture that that like you guys might live versus the the states where it's it's it does it's not it's not appealing to masses yeah. is there anything to that you think or am i overthinking it a like- little bit and we're so spread out right whereas like you get some of your areas where there's like that community and they have four or five races throughout a year in one area. Right. Mm -hmm. And we don't really have that. Plus you get the mountainous towns and stuff. And a lot of people there have their thing, right? Mm -hmm. They're skiers, they're snowboarders, they're 
backcountry hikers, um, whatever they are. And they're not always interested to kind of get into a new sport. Um, so even though there's like a really good fitness community, they might not necessarily be looking for that thing that they want to train for and spend time working towards and traveling for. Um, so they've found certain venues plus obviously just, yeah, populations are just spread out a little bit, but, um, there are communities that have stayed, stayed strong and it's, it's just going to be finding those areas. And I mean, I'm right in the middle of Canada, so I got to travel everywhere, uh, for it. So, um, I get to go visit some cool places and, yeah. uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's uh, that's one thing for the first time you came on. That was one thing you say is like, yeah, for some reason, people think that all the Canadian races are just like easy to get to when it's the exact opposite. They're all impossible to get to yeah. even while living in Canada. <laughs> like I'm driving this week. I'll, I'll, I'll be driving what, 15 hours to get out to Calgary and then go uh, spend a few days in the mountains, just putting in time on feet and going experiencing. So I, as much as people think Canada is, you know, there are, pockets of really amazing mountain places but it's not all like that so um yeah right it's like you you follow the geography of the united states it's just the same just north right like where it's flat in the united states it's the same in canada it's just like yeah the land formation is all like where the rockies in the states it's the rockies in canada as well right because i was looking at that red deer course and it's not that far from the mountains no, it's not. It's like just before the foothills, right? Like you can almost see the foothills coming into it. But again, it's kind of, it's Red Deer is a city in between two of the biggest cities in Alberta, right? Edmonton and Calgary. So it really brings people from the two biggest cities in Alberta. And it's a great venue. It always gets like tons of people out. And they added, because they had to cancel um, Kimberly, which was, or Golden, we were going to do a big mountain race earlier in July that got canceled. Um, so that was going to be the series Mm. and it would have been so different for me thinking, wrapping my head around trying to prepare for that mid July instead Mm. of red deer to kick it off early September. Right. It's a big gap. And you know, it's as much as, uh, somehow I, I managed to stay in the mix in mountain races. Um, it's it's always a challenge for me to totally prepare. And really, it's one of those things where if I prepare perfectly, I'll be in the mix. But if someone that has the actual terrain to practice on trains exactly how I do or just as well, you know, shame on them if they can't beat me. But at <laughs> least, you know, if they have that and they work on everything, they'll just be you know, a couple percent better than me just because it's exactly what they practice on. And, um, you know, and, and I know that and it's, uh, so yeah, red deer course looks, I mean, like I said, it's very in and out, but you know how it is, you know, how people say like, Oh, it's not on the mountain. And then you, you're, you're really fast runner. Like, you know, when you're to win those races, like you have to be very fit in your like speed stamina Mm. And that's almost a harder race to do because you are all out all the time. You don't have changes in like downhill skill, uphill tempo, you know, managing your systems, kind of changing things up. I mean, you're a little let speed up, but I feel like your systems are more beat up. 
you're naturally slowed down, right? Like on those. Yeah, I always thought, I always thought that was fun. Like that was something that to be when I first got into the sport, people really were super reliant on the course for the challenge. I was like, it shouldn't like the challenge is I, however yeah. you put it. Like whatever you make of the challenge is like you can make it as hard as you want on any to know course. how to know how fast and how fit I need to be for the 10k super in Red Deer almost scares me more than being prepared for like a mountain beast, you know? Hmm. Right. Um, it's like, right. Just in terms of the, just in terms of the, uh, discomfort level during racing. Mm-hmm. That's that, you know, it's going to come like if like, totally. it's not like on a mountain course, maybe you'll get to that point where you're pushing in like, and you need to kind of be above your like anaerobic threshold for a little bit longer than you'd like to be maybe going up, but like on a flat course, like you're getting there. It's going to mm-hmm. happen or you're not going to race well or, right. you're, or you're just right. not going hard enough. Yeah. And, and you know, a lot of us haven't touched obstacles in a while. So that'll be mm. very interesting. Uh, all things considered, you know, I, I feel like myself and how I train as an athlete and just in terms of my strengths, like give me super tough obstacles. But I always valued being kind of like having, having good skill work on ones that I didn't know. Um, but having that, having watched people get better and better at those standard obstacles, that's where you need to also focus too, is just um, like fluid motion through them and, you know, in and out quickly without, you know, taxing yourself at all. So mm-hmm. um, it'll be interesting without touching anything for two, you know, two, two seasons. See how, see how, yeah. how much energy does, it does cost. That was one thing. Yeah. Well, to watching the the race yesterday at for for Utah, it was more apparent on the women's side that the like they are becoming much more uh, like technicians of going through these obstacles, and you can see like like there's different skill that like is going to each other. And when what did you watch like the Hildervat, the beach race? Yeah, like after the fact. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was like same deal. I was like. That was yeah. all obstacle proficiency, right? And you can mm-hmm. tell like people like VJ or, or like even like Kempson, he's so good through them. They're just like, they're specializing yeah. on how to get better yeah. through that. And this is one thing that I'm sure has been, you know, frustrating, but for the, for like a means to an end for, for you and for just the country as a whole. I mean, like it's been a slower process coming out of the, the restrictions and lockdowns than it has been here stateside. Like what's yeah. that been like for you to see, to be so close and like have your sport kind of like starting to roll again, but like on your end, it's just, yeah, nothing's happening. So we still <laughs> yeah, got a little ways. Yeah. You got yeah. some time, right? Yeah, they're canceling races, and we're watching you guys get to your series, and everyone's popping in. And then, you know, at the start, it was like, okay, there's a few races happening in like the lower states or whatever. But now it seems like a lot's open up. You know, you seems see like even, yeah. you know, you see even Western states happening. You see um, like trail races, everything, right? Big events. So. Uh, it's it's hopeful right and um so it's been hard but like we've talked before and and you know that's i would say i would say it's nice to catch up to you on a podcast but i know we've been talking a little bit over because of my injury Mm -hmm. and um so i've been i've i'm just getting back into running after three months of no running and uh i've been dealing with plantar fasciitis which is like i mean oh we can talk about it you know, in a little bit, but basically because I had that, um, 
And it's kind of one of those injuries where you can kind of fight through it a little bit and deal with, deal with the pain and deal with the discomfort. And, um, you don't really think you're causing more harm, even though it, it's, it's hurting. So having these cancellations were almost, uh, for me, like, uh, a deep breath just for a mm-hmm. second being like, Hey, I can actually focus on this and get better and not mentally feel like, um, I need to be prepared for a race at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was kind of a perfect timing thing to deal with something like this that I've never dealt with, uh, in terms of being like, Hey, this got canceled. Okay. That would have been very hard to prepare for after, you know, and, and, you know, when you get an injury, you think, okay, I'm going to do all the right things. And within two weeks, I'll be back, back to training. I'm feeling fit. And then it didn't happen. And then, you know, I came, came calling out to, you know, I tried, uh, you know, talk to you, got what you did to kind of deal with it. Talked to lots of people when got numerous treatments, um, things helped, but didn't quite relieve it. And then, um, kept trying, kept trying, talked to more people, did more research. And finally, I feel like a few things have come together to at least help me get back to training. So, um, yeah, now it's going to be, you know how it is. I mean, it's hard to explain to people, you know, uh, like someone that, that just exercises or whatever else. It's hard to explain that three months off of real running when you're trying to blend through from off season base building into race fitness mm-hmm. and you skip that part. And then do you lose your base? Do you go back to it? Like it's been a very difficult thing for me to try and wrap my head around training, but at least I have time. And I've been able to do enough and stay somewhat fit that now I'm kind of, I, I was, I, I read this thing the other day. It's nice when you come back into training and you've been at a level that, you know, you're, when you're at that level, you're kind of grinding over to trust, try to get like a 0.5% increase, right. Mm-hmm. And find a way to peek through it and hold fitness. And now I'm getting this, like, maybe I'm at like 70% race fitness, but I'm getting these like 5% gains and 10% gains building up. Mm. And it's kind of, uh, you know, I haven't been there in a while, um, where you see a lot of progress over like a really solid two weeks of training or something. Um, you're always just trying to stay ready, sharpen up, be specific to the venues. And now it's, it's kind of a nice mental state to be in, you know? do one hard workout and you reap the benefits from it. And it's almost like, uh, your body's like, Oh, this is a, it's a new stimulus again. It's not a reoccurring stimulus and it, and it adapts. So that's been nice. And just like, yeah, like that's a great way to put it. Like you just give yourself so much time to rest that your body now adapts to the things that it wasn't adapting to before just because it's not as familiar, but also that fitness it's, it, it, but it does like, I don't know what the, like if it's, what this term would be, but it, you kind of remember too. like, it'll get you back to where you need to go. Totally. You know, faster. you know, the classic things and, and you know, like you, everyone's heard it before, you know, have a few standard workouts and I can't stress that enough. Like mentally, when you have a few standard workouts or routes or something and you go after them after an injury or something like that, and you do them and you realize, Hey, I'm actually not that far off, you know? Uh, so mentally that's nice because you obviously are going to second guess your fitness when you're coming back from something that long. And, uh, so I think, I, I think I'm pretty 
happy with how I dealt with it, all things considered. But man, is it is it tough to see people racing and hear that you want to get back to racing and you're so excited to be in good shape for it and thinking maybe you won't even be ready for it because you've been hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all things considered it like for as far as timing, as weird as it sounds, it's kind of like an okay time <laughs> like, mm-hmm. to have things be pushed back on. And mentally, and mentally I'm actually excited to get back into run training because mm-hmm. I've been, you know, grinding it on the assault bike and doing rower intervals and, and doing people that don't understand plantar fasciitis. It's kind of like you would get excited, go do something. And then, um, do, do you stay there? You froze for a second there. I'm here. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So you, you're doing all these things and, uh, now I lost my train of thought. You froze in the <laughs> talking about, you're talking about, uh, doing, um, when you're doing like road training or if you have plantar yeah. fasciitis, you get excited to, yeah, you, know, you can do stuff. it. And then the next day you can't even walk and you're kind of mm-hmm. like, Oh, well, this isn't worth it. So, um, I was doing a, a lot of things based on systems and exposure. So I feel like my exposure was still there throughout cross training. And I just went back to like, I'm always lifting throughout the whole season, but I really just got back into good lifting. And so I feel like now I I have enough time and I have a really solid base and, and strength that uh, things will turn around. So thing with PF, man, it's like, I think there's an old saying, it's like the best way to, um, battle plantar fasciitis is to not get it in the first place because then when you yeah. have it you, have you it, start doing research on it and honestly that's why i reached out, that's why i appreciated you kind of reaching out and saying hey this is what i had and this is what you know worked for me because mm-hmm. i had had conversations with so many people and tried what they tried and nothing really worked yeah uh, for me and and you know like i'm the type of person that's like okay well this is what i care especially because you know we're all locked down and when you have nothing happening, um, the, the last thing I could do is for myself is train and focus on that and be active. Right. And on top of just caring about that, it's also a big stress relief. Right. Right. And so all of a sudden I can't run and I, I almost have this like dwelling thought process consistently about my injury. Right. It's just constantly thinking about it. So, um, you start, you start to realize that like stress is stress, right? And even if you don't feel um, necessarily like anxious or really stressed out, you kind of have that little bit of dull stress happening. And that doesn't help your body repair either. Because Mm -hmm. if you're creating cortisol and you're creating all that stuff, then your body has to work to regulate that before it even works to heal your foot. So I had to find ways to try to mentally just, you know, be almost very easy with it to let my body heal. So, so this is something, yeah, I think about this from time to time. Yeah. I was, I was also hurt, um, but was able to do a lot of exercise from like June, January to March. So I was able to get those feel goods. Um, but mm-hmm. I can see like how like chemically you can, like how I would have been, in the past, like dependent on that to, to, to regulate my mood. And it's like, okay, at some point I know that, uh, I mean, I, I don't know this, but I would imagine one day that's going to be taken from me. Right. So like having the two things so tightly, uh, 
packed together, like exercise and like essentially like happiness and feeling good, it's a little bit slippery, right? you know? Yeah. And when everything's made to be kind of easy, right? Um, if anything, you know, uh, things got quieter, things got less busy for a bit and everything. So things got easier and, you know, like you see your habits change a little bit. And the one thing about training is it keeps me kind of, you get that little exposure of being dedicated to something, working at something, being uncomfortable, you know, Mm -hmm. sticking to the routines that make you better. And because of that, that mindset kind of translates to everything. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden I'm not, don't have that. And, you know, I don't, I, I don't know to me, like doing assault bike intervals in a back room is not as, um, fulfilling. I mean, it feels good once you finish because you're kind of like, okay, no one knows I'm doing this and you kind of finish and you're like, at least, at least I'm going to be happy. I did this consistently when my foot is better, you know? Um, so I think I was happy, you know, happy about that. And, uh, it was nice that there were some races to watch or Olympic trials or anything like that, just to keep me a little more stimulated because all of a sudden I'm sitting on a rower and, uh, I started biking obviously and doing like my long runs in terms of bikes. And I had a, I had a friend and we did a really good kind of progression. I remember the first time I went, you know, our speed was, slower and my heart rate was higher and slowly those two things switched, you know, slowly I got more efficient on the bike because I had the fitness, but I didn't have the, uh, I didn't have the actual like skill work and exposure to that output. Exactly. So once I got there, then all of a sudden I was going faster and my heart rate was lower and it kind of was a nice plan that we built up. And I mean, so I'm hopeful. I know, I, I know, um, it's going to, it's going to take, you know, a lot of key thinking over the next month and a half to really get to where I want to be and hopefully prepare. But, um, I think I'm wrapping my head around it pretty well. Yeah. So from, from that perspective, like you seem like your fitness is probably strong, like just knowing like you definitely put in work, you do like, that's part of your lifestyle is like, you're going to be active. So I'd imagine that like your, your general fitness is going to be there as long as your health is there. But now that, you know, you may have missed that base period, how do you think you're going to kind of approach these next? And then the, that's the kicker for what's, I guess it's kind of nice. There's only two races, but there's only two races in this series, right? So it's not like, oh, I'll train through Red Deer and be ready for the next three. It's like, right. Well, and that's, I was in a little bit of trouble because everyone in Canada was pushing the races back. And so I looked at my September after things got moved and I literally had a race every single weekend in September, <laughs> right. including, including one weekend where I had an adventure race one day and then I went and did a 25 K trail race the next day. So, <laughs> uh, it was, it was kind of like I had to choose one to get rid of. And I got rid of the, probably the race that I was most excited about, which was actually like a stage race trail race. First day vertical oh, K, cool. second day like long mountain race, third day kind of single track river trail speed race, and you it was like your combination of all three days. Um, but again, you do a race weekend like that, you're not going to be good for anything for you know two weeks, three weeks after that. So um, I wanted that to be more of like an A race, and so I took that off, and so I have a little bit of a gap. And a couple of the races now are just kind of training races, and it should work out. 
but um yeah it, it, it was um i i think like they're spread out enough you know september 11th to october 23rd and you go from a 10k to a 21k in the mountains so um that's a that's okay. You know, you're not going to be, and the good thing about red deer is your body's not going to be beat up. You're not hitting mm. hard downhills. You're not kind of doing that kind of stuff. So your systems are going to be hurt, but, um, you can turn around and get back into like some really quality work, uh, pretty quickly after that. For you to be race sharp, right? Cause that's what the, like the same thing's probably going to happen to you with like, trail running and I know you're going to go on that that trip maybe this was part of this answer but I, the same thing that happened with you on like the bike where it's like your fitness was there but your skills were bad like you had the base of skills for OCR and like trail running in general but like they've been absent for a minute right so you might need to you're, there's right. going to be a point where you're going to have to like dust that off um, right. to, to kind of get it back so what's your plan to get the skill and like the race specificity back to like match the fitness in, in, in obstacle in these two obstacle course races that you have out in front of you. Yeah. I think it's partially mental, mental. Like when you go into a race, you know, everyone's in the same boat. And if you kind of think that you need to be careful on obstacles and stuff like that, um, you're going to make more mistakes, mistakes. It's almost like, uh, you know, you go off a jump when I used to snowboard and if you hesitate, it's almost like you make more mistakes and if you commit to it. So I think it's more like I might not have the exact uh, technique. But again, I feel like there's certain people that get into the sport and they don't have a really good proprioception base of like athletic movement and just kind of body awareness. And they fumble through it quite a bit. And a lot of people just make really good decisions on the fly, whether it's mid hang or they're making a good like hand over hand movement. And it, they just know that it's almost like you're making a decision before you're actually thinking about it. And mm. you just, you just believe that your body is going to be able to kind of like naturally move through that movement very well. So, um, I think that's all you can do. I mean, I, I play around on a little bit of obstacles, but nothing now that they're all standardized, nothing stimu like simulates those better than doing them. So it's just going to be going after it and knowing that. Yeah. And no, and knowing cer certain movement movements translate over better. And if I'm, if I'm strong and my hanging strength and my stability is all there, you know, I know ways that I can move through any kind of obstacle, like hanging obstacle or something quickly. Um, if I have the strength and fitness. Yeah. I think from the obstacle perspective, you probably won't have a problem with that. Like that seems like you could have probably almost visualize that and, and like the patterns will kind of come Try back to, to Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's even nice to watch, watch some people race now and, and just watch some guys go through and be like, okay. Um, you know, I know I have the, you know, awareness to go through it like that. But yeah, it's that, I mean, you could run into a bit of an issue, right? It was like last year or two years ago, my first race of the season was uh, Montana and mm -hmm. that was a U.S. race. And in Canada, we didn't have a lot of, we didn't have Twister. We didn't have a bunch of those obstacles. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty obvious that I hadn't been on them before. I still got through them and it was like somewhat efficient, but 
you could tell the guys that have gone through them 10 times before and went to practice the days before and stuff like that, right. that they just were, you know, uh, more efficient through it. So that's going to be the goal to get back to that. How about on the, on the running side of things? Like, what do you, in like, you, you, when are you going on that mountain trip? I'm probably leaving this week. So I'm hoping that, uh, you know, four days of just big days will mm. kind of rebuild. And also just uh, right now, it's just nice to have that little bit of drop in pure intensity. I'll probably do one or two quality efforts out there, but mm-hmm. mostly it'll just be big days out. And the other thing is, is what, two and a half years ago, I found a Nordic track on uh, Facebook Marketplace. Sweet. And so I've been... I. I've had that thing in my place for since the final race actually happened. Um, so I still have yet to race off of um, using this thing throughout a year, you know, two years of training. So and, you and it's where been a tr- yeah, where you're climbing, you're climbing thing, like right? better. Yeah, yeah. I think I think there's no there's no way to uh, deny that for sure because it's it's almost like I, I keep like a an 80% constant exposure to hiking and kind of uphill running a bit. And then if I know the venues coming up, that's going to be a mountain race, then I make more specific workouts to that, but they're always peppered into my week. So, um, it's, it's been a, it's been a nice thing to have. And, and I think I'll be, you know, it's going to show, it's going to show, you know, before I used to just grind it out and try to let my fitness work it. But eventually, uh, that doesn't help, uh, kind of when you, when you races, right? Like you can kind of, you can kind of keep up to it, but, um, and also just get some downhill running in cause, cause I don't have anything here and, uh, it's good exposure to that. And, um, it's just nice to be out there, honestly, like it's fun running through the woods and doing some speedier things and, and exploring the province I'm in, but it's nice to get a change of scenery, especially when it's that nice of a change you know that's like the joy of it that comes in right it's like there's training and then there's part of joy and like what i've kind of wrapped my head around now with especially obstacle course racing if you're not like really into it because you're just like like the whole like lifestyle and concept around it you're probably not going to perform as well so you'd probably be going to the mountains even if you didn't have ocr training to do totally and and really like before i was injured you know when races started getting canceled and everything i think every racer kind of had that thought where it was like, you know, I don't, I'm not training as hard anymore, or I'm not as focused on my training and stuff. And that's, that's okay to kind of reassess and not burn yourself out and, but keep at it. And I actually, I feel like I've always enjoyed training before, even before I got into obstacle racing and everything, Mm -hmm. you know, when I was going to the gym and doing things, you know, I was always looking for ways to feel like I was training like an athlete and trying to progress things and hitting, you know, speed runs on the treadmill for no reason. Like, right. you know, some, some of the workouts I did, I was just like, well, this is actually, it's actually a good workout, but I had no reasoning behind it. There was no purpose. It was just like, all right, how, how many miles an hour can I keep up at like 10% for like <laughs> right. 40 minutes? And I would just do it in between like a university class and just, just you know, and it, it's it was funny. Just for to look, you. Yeah. For nobody yeah, else, but yeah. Right. And and yeah, I think like the mountains are pretty special when, um, I don't, I don't have them here. Right. So you just appreciate them that much more. And I have people out 
out west from racing that actually, sh- you know, when I have enough fitness to keep up with them, um, they'll take me on amazing days, amazing peaks and crazy spots that are kind of a little off the beaten path mm. out there. And, you know, it's so fortunate to kind of have that and have those connections from racing, you know? Yeah. It's like part of the community that's built in. Right. And people yeah. always say that's like the thing that they like the most or, or will miss the most about whatever, but it's real. Like totally. you start to come across like-minded people and like they opens up a whole different world. Yeah. Like after my first race out, race out West, you know, uh, I won an ultra beast out on like a sun peaks resort, which is probably one of the hardest mountains out that way. They haven't had a race there in a while, but people still talk about it as a great venue and a really challenging one. And, you know, after that race, I went and kind of ch- chatting to the other elite guys. They were like, Oh, we're going to go hike a mountain, you know, on Monday, if you, you're staying out here and you go hike with them. And, you know, I had never been up a mountain, but they just assumed that, um, because, because I did well at a mountain race, like I, <laughs> yeah. I trained and, and like we got up there and the exposure and I was just, you know, so scared, you know, like you're, you, we went on a pretty, pretty exposed mountain peak and, uh, and I was like, you know, three quarters of the way up, it finally came up that this is the first mountain I've ever hiked other than like a ski resort race. So yeah, it's, it, it's been a fun, uh, fun change, but it's always good. So when you go out to the mountains for, for this, like it's essentially like a training trip. Are you just yeah. going to put in volume? Are you just going to just jack things up a little bit? How is the foot? Is it better? Yeah. So, I mean, I got custom orthotics made mm-hmm. from, um, and that seemed to relieve it. And now the mm-hmm. fascia feels completely fine underneath. I'm still getting a bit of pain at the attachment point at my Achilles now, mm-hmm. uh, which again, when you, when you have tightness somewhere, there's going to be adaptations other ways. And like we have been talking about, you know, even if you don't know it, your, your foot and your body, every time you're about to land, it protects itself and it, and it shows pain and whatever. So I had to get past that. And I feel like I'm finally running and stuff without thinking about it. And that's ultimately how I think it's actually progressed. Um, so yeah, let's let's actually let's actually uh let's stick here for a second just because okay. it's just take you through the whole pf journey because for sure and then we'll go back into the mountains and how, that, how that's kind of come along because this yeah, is yeah. something that i think it is relatable to people and how different things one million percent work for different people and there is not a way right to like this is crazy a, it's a crazy it's, it really talking is talking to people and then and then you start to do research and people are like i've been de- dealing with it for years and i'm like I don't want that. And then half of the remedies are just for management of pain. They're not actually to improve the actual injury. It's just people manage the pain. So, uh, and that's so why would that I was, be yeah. like the pain manager ones? Would that be more like the like soft tissue stuff? Or, yeah, like uh, ice ice bottle rolling and and whatever it is. Even orthotics sometimes were yeah. Um, obviously and manage the pain but the problem was is i was trying to progress it back to better strength better proprioception and stuff before it was healed and when the attachment point was just continuously getting aggravated even when i was doing the right things it couldn't heal 
So mm. the orthotics kind of just relieved it from actually pulling on that attachment point for a while. And I think I'll just slowly be able to kind of get off them. But, you know, if I have to run and, and it's got a nice, nice little plastic plate in it, maybe it'll give me that carbon plate effect in there the races go. or something. I don't know. Probably. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I talked to, and, and that's, that's the other thing. I just talked to so many people and then I slowly started thinking about how to build without thinking about it. Um, I mean, I tried shock therapy. I tried, um, acupuncture. I tried, I still do dry scraping, which is yeah. a nice way to kind of finish, finish the day and just kind of because fascia doesn't get blood flow to it a lot. So doing that will increase that. So just got a butter knife and, you know, nothing special. Didn't, didn't pay the $60 for that perfect tool, but, um, got a nice little like, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you do. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's perfect to use, but this little, I've got a little knife with a little owl on top of it. And it's, it's got a little, it, it's been, it's worked wonders. So yeah. You'll do that on the bottom of your foot, like the muscle yeah. scrape. Mm. Both attachment points, just work both attachment points and then get some really good, um, blood flow scrape along the fascia throughout it. So, um, that's been, that's been really nice. And then, Again, you know, when you get back to it and you're, you like naturally your body just protects itself. And even if you don't realize it uh, right before you step, you could be flexing your adductors even for mm -hmm. a split millisecond because your body's like trying to protect it and take a bit of load off or, you know, whenever you limp and stuff. So, um, I had to retrain, um, and try to, I found that sometimes running with other people helped. Because mm -hmm. I wasn't just running and being like, okay, what's this pain? How am I moving? Right. Am I back into, and then I started doing a little bit of like tennis ball work where I would do like single foot work and also, um, like ladder drills almost, but I'd be tossing a tennis ball against the wall and the tennis ball keeps your mind focused on that. And it also makes your body move in a way that you're not completely linear. Right. Uh -huh. I might be able to run perfect, like let's say on a road, but you put me on trail and all of a sudden I'm planting, you know, I'm not necessarily neutral plant, like, right. you know, midfoot planting or whatever. And then it sets it off again. So then it stops you. Right. It yeah. Cause it's, it's not like, yeah. Oh, well, I thought we were going about straight. It. Yeah. Yeah. So this way, this way, it, like retrain my body to move in its natural way that it should, you know, mm -hmm. you ask kids to run, you ask, people that play soccer and stuff, they run and sprint more naturally when they're not completely thinking about it. Like some people stiffen up when they're trying to be too perfect. And it's almost like you got to find that balance of like, you will go back to your good habits. And, you know, I had people watch my running form and, you know, they were kind of like, I don't even see how you developed plantar fasciitis. But right. uh, what happened was I basically rolled my ankle in the winter and it, jam my calcaneus and even when you land on your calcaneus it still has a bit of like give to it right uh naturally and um when i was like that then it was minus 40 here because that's where that's i live where you live <laughs> that's yeah. the life that you have <laughs> and i had some speed work on the on the uh on the table for the day and i did it on a treadmill and i think because my ankle was jammed and I was doing speed work. It changed my gait a little bit because, you know, when you're trying to mm. run, let's say a 400 to kilometer effort, 
like you're going pretty fast, but that belt is changing your gait if you don't naturally do it all the time. And even though you're working on fitness and everything, it might not be what you're naturally used to. And I think just that reoccurring exact landing with, with my issue set it off. And then it's so hard to get it back. So once I kind of realized that and then worked it and slowly gave it the time it needed and finally was able to relieve it, um, then things turned around really quickly. So, I mean, I tried, I got shock therapy. I had my mom Buddhist chanting for me at night. Like <laughs> we were trying everything. I was like, I, I'm telling you, you know, when you have something that you really love, you know, I don't just train, like I love running. I love what it brings. I like hanging out with people that like running and, um, and also just training and caring about something and making time for it and getting outside and, um, so yeah, it's, I mean, when something like that, you really want to keep happening, you're going to figure out how to get it done. So it just right, took like, a long time. Yeah. But it's this process of, of learning what else is available there. There's a, there's a certain like path that it seems like we're typically funneled into, which is like the pain manager and like strengthening and, uh, whatever. And like, and like treatments that are going to be to it. But then there's, there seems to be other levels of what pain totally. is, you know? Totally. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it is opening, but it, it takes some humility to go there. But when it's you're interesting learning- what I've learned from this too, right? Not, not just like mentally, but also in terms of like research on like mindset and, and believing in something and not like, like we kind of talked about earlier, even just having like a, a little bit, like a tiny little instance of, you know, not, not acute stress, but kind of that chronic stress. And I think, you know, I've talked to a lot of people that have had injuries happen to them this year. And number one is probably because training changed a bit just with everything that happened, Mm -hmm. um, depending on their situation. But again, like, I think, you know, you just add things that have a little bit of extra stress around your work or anything like that. And, um, you know, your body doesn't adapt. It's like, it's like that classic thing where they looked at, you know, they took, um, they took university students and they did the, the dental work on them, like molars removed or whatever, the exact same procedure. And half of them were in, um, they were in exam period and they looked at how long it took the, you know, the gums to heal up. And then they did the exact same procedures on the other side when they weren't in exam period and the healing process was much quicker Hmm. and it's just related to what their body has to work on when it's stressed compared to when it's not, then it can really focus on the other things, you know? Right. Like that hierarchy of, 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 of like your physical needs, right? It's like, right. right. It can only work on a few things at one time. So it has to deal with this like kind of response, you know, it can't give what it needs. And that's why you see, that's why you see athletes in the Olympics and stuff go to these like training weeks where they, or CrossFit athletes or whoever, and they go to these like training camps where you just eliminate everything. Right. And then you can just, it's not necessarily that you get better training. You just get better recovery and better focus and, um, your body's able to adapt better after you put the work in, you know, it's, um, different things like that. So it's, it's all very interesting to me. And I, you know, you, something like that, you got to learn from it. 
So I'm taking what I'm learning from it and, and kind of moving ahead. And hopefully I'm at the tail end of it. It's always scary to not set it off again, right? You know, you have a couple days of running and you're pain free and you get pretty excited and you're like, let me back into it, but yeah. I gotta be, I gotta be smart. So. That's the worst part about something like plantar fasciitis or like Achilles tendonitis. Anything that's like tendon, like tendonitis kind of basically, you know, fascia is a different thing, but it's still like every step you take, it's like, does it hurt now? Does it yeah. hurt now? Does it hurt yeah. now? And it's, it's not a fun yeah. way. It's not a fun way to live and train. It's yeah. You wake up and you're laying there and you're like, how is the this first step going to feel? First step, man. And oh, it is the worst. It is honestly like so defeating when you thought you had a good workout and you're excited and you're like, okay, it's going to be better. I did everything for it. I've been doing everything for three, four weeks, wake up, step, and you can't even put pressure on it. And, uh, but I've had one, I've had days where I've gotten up and actually at this point almost forgotten I've had it. So that's, that's nice. good when you almost, huge. when you almost don't have to get into your orthotics right away or don't roll your feet right away or stretch or anything. And, and then just keeping up with things. So, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a long road, man. Well, and like, yeah. that's one thing that's tricky about these injuries now too. And like, you know, you're also, um, a fitness professional and I do want to talk about the weapon factory if we have time, but it's, um, like, so people probably come to you, right. And probably like, uh, this hurts. How can, how can, like, what do you know that could help me? And with something like plantar fasciitis, I'm just like, right. I, I don't know, man. Everyone <laughs> had something different to tell me, honestly. Yeah. And yeah. and I was so excited to hear from, you know, also people deal with plantar fasciitis. that are just on their feet all day that are, um, a little like overweight or something. Right. And, and just like their biomechanics are a little off. Like it's, you have that population. And then you have the population of athletes that just, or runners. So the amount of write-ups and research and documented kind of things, it's like no percentages and no conclusions are anything like none of it really was reassuring. Right. So, um, that's what was so difficult about it. I, I was, you know, but then you, you hear that one in every 10 people deal with it. So, you know, the amount of people that I could talk to about it or mention it to, and they're like, Oh yeah, I had that for a couple of years. And then you talk to runners and they had other things to say about it, but it's kind of, you know, a lot of people understand it. You just gotta I don't wish it. I don't wish it upon anyone. No, no, no. And that's like, you just kind of had to do it the way you did it. Like kind of be a student of it. Right. Like just never like, except that the first thing that you hear or first thing that you try is going to be the thing where you're destined to just have it for forever. It just sucks. It just takes a long time. <laughs> it's yeah. just going to be that yeah. way. Yeah. Um, so, are you feeling optimistic about the mountain stuff? Or are you feeling like you're going to like go and it's going to go well or you're just going to put on some volume on it? I think so. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, hiking was always fine with it, which is hmm. kind of crazy. Like, without the orthotics or anything, I was always able to hike. So I know uphills are totally fine and, um, it'll just be kind of seeing what downhills are like. And then obviously terrain is mm. tough in the mountains and, and, but I think just in general, your legs get beat up. Uh, so I just have to be careful of the volume because all of a sudden my long run has not been non-existent for three months. Right. Right. So, um, even though the fitness might be there, like my legs might kind of just 
not have much in them. And when you're not used to the mountains, you know, a couple days of it, it sounds great to just be able to train the mountains for a week. But usually after three or four days, like that's about all I can give. Right. Um, so yeah, it's more, it's more just catch up with some good friends, go on some really good missions, see some peaks, do some really good ridge running and, uh, be at a decent altitude for a few weeks and then come back, recover from that. And then basically it's 10 K training. Actually, I'm probably doing mm. about like 15 K training leading into it. Um, I have one trail race at the end of August, which is going to be a great little tune up right before it. And then, um, so I'll be nice effort, like a 16 K trail race, um, kind of three, four weeks out from nice. red deer. So, um, it's got a little more elevation, which is fine. It's more effort based. Um, but again, it's just, it's good. Seems like an, yeah, it seems like an appropriate like target, right? Like 10 K training for running probably a little bit on the fast end, like 15 K right. effort wise seems about right. Totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and red deer is a lot of what people don't realize is every time you hit like a curve in the single track trail, you're re-accelerating or how are you throwing your hips out or changing your angle of your run to keep your tempo. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people go through these little spurts and they're re-accelerating or they're not used to hitting those turns at to keep the speed. And so when they do keep the speed, they exert more energy because they're not used to it. Right. So like even just thinking of like a single leg stability standpoint and you're hitting like a curve in a single track and there's 45 of them within this small area, you know, every time you turn, if you're like, and this is all just like my philosophy. Um, I don't really know if it, if it's anything, but it's sounding um, good. Keep it going. It sounded good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but to, to me, it's, it, it's like you either have two choices. You can, um, kind of build that movement pattern to, to not give you so much, um, energy loss on each turn hmm. or, or you can really work on that. Like depending on the turns and stuff like that, staying in pace, um, properly. How would the two styles differ based on which one? Like what would you do to, to, to train the movement pattern? versus yeah. the pace versus the pace. So I mean the movement patterns can be getting onto actual um trails like that, mm -hmm. right? And but also then doing some like lateral directional change movement with weight or well, let's say with band like anchored around your hips and doing those like jump outs kind of turn speed ladder stuff but with weight so that that move becomes like a really skilled move and a powerful move through your body weight, but because you've been doing it with weights or with plyometric systems and stuff like that, that you can actually kind of continue through it. And it, again, it's just like even just getting someone to do skaters, you know, right. doing that movement of okay. like landing, landing out on, on kind of laterally both feet and kind of laying your hips, like adjust to it and then powering the next other direction and not just doing, back and forth in a straight line, but maybe doing it at 45 degree angles. Mm -hmm. So you're actually attacking forward still. Going forward um, and sideways. Yeah. 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 So just stuff like that. I mean, again, I think that's the little things that you don't realize 
save you energy. Um, and then you can get back to, you know, the real running when it opens up again. And this is important for, you know, for a lot of athletes, but if you don't have trails necessarily like at your fingertips, like these are sure. ways to like work around to, to, to get that sports specific training without being like doing the sport. Sure. Which is super yeah. helpful. And it's, and it's, again, it's, it's minimal and it, it depends on running style, but, um, I think in general, if you can put in like, just like gaps form in different areas. And mm. again, like if you have that skill, then you won't lose that time and have to make it up later on. And you can mm. be aggressive into it without losing so much, um, like just losing just proper energy. Right. And then with the pace work of it, mm-hmm. would that be something you would train away from the trails just so you can, it's more controlled or it's like, okay, my 15 K pace is yeah. 530 or sorry, yeah. miles, kilometers. You can I do, no, it. you can do miles. I do miles actually because, I, and everyone gets mad at me here. But because um, you do my, you, you're going, I you do go mile, miles. Mile pace. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. So because when I started running, when I started looking up, you know, when you first start running, you look up training programs. Most of the stuff is from the U.S. It's mostly in miles. And right. originally, like the first thing, and then when I got my first Polar Watch, I don't know why it was in miles. Obviously, so I just um, learned it. I just learned it, and and I got used to that. Like, I just remember the first time I saw like a six minute mile pace, and then I was like, "Okay, like this is gonna be my thing, like six minute mile <laughs> pace," you know. So, and and I can translate it, but yeah, no, let's let's throw out the mile stuff because we can do both. Uh, we, let's, no, let's, no, let's... honestly, I I'm I'm more comfortable. Talk, speaking American right now. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. So am I. But uh, I need to, I need to do that and flip my Garmin into kilometers just so I can just feel under- you're running faster. <laughs> yeah, just so I can feel like I'm awesome. Just yeah. just so I can uh, yeah wrap my brain around it. It might actually be a good practice for someone who might get obsessive about pace because there's definitely roadrunners that could be like my pace needs to be this per mile. If you just move it to kilometers, it doesn't mm-hmm. change anything I mean- except the the number. I know the basics, you know, when you get to 5k, 10k, 21k, whatever, right? Like it, it, I understand those, but when you, sometimes when people tell me their kilometer pace, I, I have to think a little bit, you know, it's pretty accurate, but yeah, I think like this year I'm learning more again, every year I'm learning. I didn't, I don't come from like a track background or cross country or anything like that. And so constantly I'm just, seeing how my body adapts and and see where I felt my fittest or ran like really fast races and see what I was doing. Think about what I was doing beforehand. So, mm-hmm. um, I think getting ready for like a 10 K Spartan that is not in the mountains. I think there's, there's kind of time, times where it's good to do, you know, almost like non-technical running. And then there's times to do kind of effort based timed reps, on trail and i kind of do a little bit of both i think like most of my quality longer efforts are on trail and then when i'm trying to build like a really good base fitness which i'm trying to do now right now because i feel like my leg turnover just hasn't been there for so long um i'm back on the track at least once a week and kind of building down into it i kind of have like a four week cycle of how i kind of get, get speed back. And, and it honestly is like get running fitness back. It's not just doing, let's say 400 meters and stuff, but, 
Um, and then I, and then I started realizing, you know, you look at people's training programs and they're doing more than, let's say you're training for a 5k speed. They're doing more than three miles of quality work total in their workout. You know, they're extending it into like four miles of work or when they do their tempo and you're trying to get ready for like a 10 K they're doing like a 12 K tempo or something, Mm -hmm. right? Like leading up to it, just so you get used to the effort within the time frame, but you're not killing yourself. Right. Right. Um, but so that's one thing I'm changing this year because I was doing kind of most of my track work was not as much volume. And even if it was well, like it was, it was working for me. I think I'll have more, um, like longer staying power and just better, better running. And that's like the purpose of what the, the run workout is like, right? Like if you're doing, um, if you're doing like mile speed work, uh, you might not necessarily need to do that much more than like doing like 16 by quarter all at mile pace then you're right. you're overdoing it, right? Like that's right. not necessarily going to translate into it. But like if you're doing like intervals, like three minute hard, like 5K intervals, um, they'll help get that like lactic threshold, that lactic threshold up. Mm-hmm. Like you can do m- more than the 5K of that because like it's a very specific part, but it takes a little bit of time to build up. So I like what you're saying, like thinking about it in terms of like both ends now and and – yeah. Like, like previously I would do, if I wanted to do like 1200 meter repeats yeah. and I would do, you know, four of them and then finish with one 200 meter repeat just to round out three miles of quality work. And now like, let's say I'll do six by 1200 meters yeah, and then four by 200 or something at the end, just to, because right now I don't have that speed and um, not coming from a track background. There's no, there's no speed work to really tap back into from previous years. So my percentages, if you look at my like best 5k to 10k to 15k to half marathon pace, like there's not much of a percentage change in terms of the speed. So I think like it's, it's, it's interesting because my 5k is not very respectable, but my 15k is like decent. You're like, um, ru- you're like running strength. Like your aerobic strength is, it, is it very can get solid. there. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I just don't have that like pure leg turnover and kind of critical velocity of like that 5k where you can, I, I mean, I, and I have never really worked at it. Let's yeah, say, do, do you well. do, will you do like 200s? Like eight I by find 200? The best, you know best. what? I find I run the strongest when I do kind of like minute repeats and shorter hill reps, like Short minute repeats, reps. Re, minute repeats uphill, oh, like okay. even on concrete where it's like a four to 10% incline. And so you get that like stimulus of like a minute, minute and a half. Um, but you really try and get that like force output. And then I find that translates after about two weeks and then slowly I'll, I'll bump down to like 400s peppered into workouts. And sometimes that, kind of gets me back to it, but that usually takes, you know, three weeks. So, um, right now I've been doing it a little bit because after not running for three months, um, 
I wanted to get a bit of speed because when I'm doing my like tempo right. efforts, I still feel like even that feels like I'm clunky. So I got to get a little efficiency back before I get into my longer stuff. And then I'll go back into efficiency closer to it. So it's like a yeah. pyramid of like speed, speed, holding power back to speed kind of thing. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like the skill work. It's like same thing. It's like your skill of running is rusty. Yeah. You know? So even, yeah. even doing like those speed drills or doing like really fast, short reps, 50 meter sprints or something right. like that. Right. And yeah. like, you know, there's not going to be any real uh, like energy development. Like you're not going to work on any energy system that's going to like make you do well at Red Deer, but it'll help like, right. yeah, like your efficiency yeah. or mechanics. And you know, it's, it's like a little bit of exposure to joints and muscles and fascia mm-hmm. and stuff that haven't had that exposure for a while. If I just jump into workouts that, you know, let's, I'm doing, let's say I'm doing like 600 meter repeats and I haven't had any exposure. That's kind of like a really fast, hard rep. And yeah. if you haven't had that exposure, like, again, like you could just hurt yourself. And, um, so I've definitely gotten hurt doing that when I was like right? a younger runner, like coming out of college, it was like, all right, I'm going to do 20 by 400 because that's just a workout I did when I was in college. <laughs> you know, I'm just yeah. like an idiot. Yeah, yeah. And then it was hurt. Yeah. But yeah, you yeah. can definitely, that's, that's a good point I, too. It just like I said, strength. I'm just running. I'm, I'm just, I'm still learning and I'm trying to just evaluate it personally and try and think what, what's going to be good. And honestly, any workouts you do between four and 1600 meters as your like speed day are going to improve, like going to improve you, but it just depends on what kind of athlete you are that you're going to adapt to certain things better and, and yeah. what you have previously and different things. So, um, it's, it's all kind of a game, but at the same time, it, it's kind of cool to put in work and then see fitness hit you like two weeks later from it or yeah. something. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Like how different people are going to adapt based off of their own like ability levels. You know, some people longer, slower stuff. Some people are better at faster stuff, but also like how much exposure you've had as a runner, right? Like if you're doing the 1200, say at, I don't know, sub threshold pace. So like, I'm yeah, trying to break 16. I'm trying to break 16 in a five, in the five K. Okay. Yeah. So you do, are you doing those 1200s really hard or are they like more like thresholdy or they more like 15 K pace? So last, what kind of recovery are you doing with them? So two weeks, two weeks, I've kind of up, upped it a bit. And now I'm going back to K repeats um, this week. But so um, last week we did seven by 1200 and they were at like 508 pace. Okay. So with like two, like two and a half minutes recovery. Yeah. 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 And I That's, was okay with that. And I mean, it was tough. But that's one of those workouts you go back to and you're like, okay, I'm not like, I think that's pretty good numbers for myself and I'm just starting. So it's kind of exciting when you do a workout like that and you look at the stats and you're kind of like, okay, like I might not be sub 16 pace yet, but I think you actually start to believe you can get there. Oh yeah. Like you're doing that. That's the workout. That's like the builder, like those like mm-hmm. 1200s and thousands. Yeah, for so that's 5K. what I'm trying to do right now is just build, build back so that I can actually hit some quality, let's say like a time trial or a tempo on yeah. trail or something. And I actually have a bit of, whereas like if you don't run for that long and then you go try and hold like a, even if you just do a strong effort trail run, 
right? You, you lose it. You, like you fall apart, not totally. like completely fall apart, but you just lose that like efficiency. Totally. So I'm trying to, trying to build that back. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just, that, that's a good example of a workout that like that, like 508 pace, it is fast over the course of a 5k. Right. Right. But like right. in terms over the course of a 400, not really, but when you're right. starting as a runner, like that might give you some like turnover, but as a nuance of like how you're developing as a runner, you know, like yeah. that is speed work, but it's not necessarily like fast. Yeah. You know and, I mean? But you know what? Like when I, when I was doing my best times, I was doing two workouts a week with the university team and it was the mid distance guys. So the four to 800 meter guys and our workouts were low volume. I think maybe we would do about 11 minutes of quality reps total. Like I would just keep a time of the total amount of time right. running fast, whatever the workout was. And I'd usually be under 12 minutes, which is insane to think of, of the races we did, but I, adapted pretty well to it because I hadn't ever, and I was chasing guys who were like some of the fastest guys in for sure in the province, if not some of them nationally, but, yeah. uh, you know, um, you adapt to it, right? Like you've never had that sort of stimulus. And I think I, I had enough of a base that eventually I had a decent staying power at that. So I think it's still good to go a little faster every once in a while. Oh, yeah. and, I would, uh, I would recommend it. So, yeah. It's, I'm not surprised that someone like you did do well with that really fast turnover just because you seem you you have some explosivity to you as an athlete, you know? So you might have yeah, be more prone to like fast twitchy stuff. That, that I'm matters. kinda just that I'm kinda just that eighty percent guy in every kind of running though. Like I I feel like I'll do okay. Like I'll adapt well to longer distance. I don't have to put in like tons of volume to put in like a huge effort. Um you know, there's been some FKTs in Manitoba and around that I've gone after that, you know, off of much lower volume than a lot of the guys that get good times on it, I'll still do well. And mm -hmm. then I'll also adapt well, you know, minus, sorry, I'm just getting a call here. Yeah. Um, minus, uh, minus the fact that like, obviously you cannot compete with a pure track guy. Like, right my my times are still very comical compared to like those guys that are pure 400 to 800 meter guys right it's just i've i've never been there and i'll never get there now but that's not what i need kind of what ocr athletes are though they're kind I of know. just like pretty good at a lot of stuff but not like fantastic at anything you know <laughs> so like pretty good at getting through obstacles pretty good at running a lot of the distances um so yeah that's that's right in the sweet spot um so, uh, what's been going on with the weapon factory? You guys still rocking or what, what's the deal? Well, gyms were closed. So weapon right. factory went outdoor for a little while because there's no way we're doing weapon factory workouts with masks on. It's just <laughs> definitely not, just it doesn't even make sense. So, um, that's been on hold. And then I got a little hopeful because we had regulations open a bit and then things went back the other way. So, um, it actually hasn't started up since basically like last March when everything kind of oh wow closed up. So yeah, it's been, I mean, now I'm, I'm training a few people, helping people with their running for OCR and stuff 
just online and helping a few clients like that. But um, yeah, no weapon factory. So we'll be excited when we can actually get back in and uh, yeah. get back to it. Yeah. Yeah. But it still exists. It, it didn't go under. I mean, I just, uh, weapon factory was me renting a gym space and running um, but that gym's still there. Class. The gym's right. still there. And right. honestly, okay. it, it's still improving. So, yeah, I'm excited to get back to that. But, uh, yeah, no weapon factory for now. Although, you know, you're constantly just saving new ideas and stuff. So, I'll be excited to get back to it. I have a new arsenal of kind of different workouts and different things. So, that's always fun. They better be ready. It's going to get yeah. real. Yeah, for um, sure. Well, come on. How much? Uh, how are you doing on time? I'm okay if you if you got a couple more questions for sure. Yeah, I just want to yeah. because I did want I mentioned to you the so like the weapon factory is almost like a side hustle for you, right? It's yeah. like a passion yeah. passion project. You have a full time job like mm-hmm. the summertime, so you get the so you're an educator. So uh, summertime you get to go to trips like the mountains. That's and that's cool right. and spend a bunch of time there, which is great. But yeah. what's been your um. <laughs> And and what's been your take so far on the like contract of Spartan stuff? And now this has kind of popped back up. Like, do you like have people a saying like those yeah. U.S. guys and saying like I mean I got I got that email too because I'm on the global pro team or whatever that is. Which like um, I mean in Canada it's been all over the place too, right? Um, but when I got into the sport, I looked at all those guys that race those NBC races and everything like that. And, you know, they were doing it for a living and they were making really good money. Um, and they were getting really good exposure. Whereas here we don't really have that. And so, I mean, a lot of people don't know half the really good athletes in Canada Mm. very well. And we don't really get, plus there's been opportunities where, um, you know, I'll reach out to a U.S. company or something about sponsorships and stuff like that. And, you know, it's almost like not a good investment for them because no one wants to order like product from the States that costs this, costs money to get over borders, costs... So, like if they don't have a distributor in Canada. Um, so that's been kind of a, a bit of a thing too. So... Um, it's nice for people to actually realize that a lot of these athletes who are putting all their, you know, all their time and effort into it and that they want to work with brands and they can get them really good exposure. Um, that you also see the realness to that brands can just drop you and that Spartan can just kind of be a little like that Spartan's always kind of in contact, but then they, stop contact for a while. You know, we were hearing about, um, our jerseys, our jerseys, like our podium shirts, you know, for so long. Right. And they're dealing with so much. So obviously that's, you know, secondary on their priority list. Um, so yeah, I think like, I think it's good to get exposure and it's good for athletes like myself to hear about what they're, they're doing. And, and I've spoken to a few of the guys and I understand that, you know, it's hard when Spartan can get really good exposure from like, let's say social media people who aren't necessarily winning races or who are doing very well. And guys and girls can get excited that Spartan wants to work with them and they'll do it for almost nothing. Mm -hmm. So then they're not, you know, they don't see the investment in 
um, really, really supporting some of those like, you know, strong, strong athletes, which is unfortunate because like, um, you see people, but then you see, you see the guys, you know, um, some of those U S guys got, got a job and whatever, and they're still racing well. Yeah. You know, they're doing it like the rest of us. So, um, it wasn't that they were doing well because of their, um, because they just had a free ride, you know, and that they could just focus on training and whatever, although it's easier. Some of them are doing just as well, if not better. And all of a sudden they took on, took on a job because Spartan's not a, they're not giving you a salary anymore or they're not paying for you to get around. So, um, it, it was weird. I was just kind of watching it. I wasn't, um, I had no like super strong opinion, except we didn't get anything, you know, <laughs> up here in Canada. <laughs> like, right. There was one, there was one year where, uh, you know, to be, to be honest is when Reebok had and all of my, like, it was one of the years where I was doing very well and I was racing quite a bit and, you know, I was hitting race after race and just, um, a lot of my sponsorships were based on podium effort or podium like placings and then weekend stipends. Um, but I wasn't getting necessarily a salary, but because I was doing so well, it was actually a pretty good setup. You were making money. Yeah. Like it was, I I mean, I would, I would leave from a race weekend and and kind of be like, Oh, I actually made more this weekend than I would teaching for my month. Right. Wow. So like double races and you kind of got your bonuses and nothing was really, you know, it was kind of set up and, and that was great. And that was when I did well at, then I asked work to take a six month, uh, leave of absence and just focus on racing. Cause really I, I just was, was like, well, the only guys that are really beating me and rightfully so, like they're the guys that are living in the mountains, they're training full time. They're able to travel without, you know, rushing out on a Friday, coming back on a Sunday, trying to recover, trying to work, coach, whatever. And, uh, they said, take a year or nothing. And I just, I was, it was kind of like time in my life where I was like, well, I don't really have, you know, I'm kind of my own architect right now of my life. And, and I just took a year and raced. And that's when I got fifth at OCR worlds and Mm. like won the series. So I had, but that was only for like four months. So I had the rest of the year that I just took because they said, we'll give you a year or nothing. So I took the year and it was great. But then all of a sudden the season was done and all of a sudden, you know, I'm not making money. Right. And everything was, and I, and I knew that I'd just get a job for six months doing whatever, cause I wanted to do this and I wanted to pursue it. And I learned a lot about it, but I wouldn't ultimately want that. I wouldn't want the pressure of having to win and go out there and you see, you see guys get a little hint of that or come in and they win, they do well at one or two races. And now all of a sudden they get, they throw all their eggs down and they're, they're excited. They're super dedicated, whatever. And then all of a sudden, maybe the pressure, maybe an injury, maybe something like that gets them. And all of a sudden they have to go back to a little bit more of reality because Spartan, because it seemed like Spartan was supporting everyone, but they actually aren't. I think that's just what they, they just overextended themselves yes. yeah. early. Like it's hard to take things back. Like they should have flipped it. They should have started with like, 
hey, you're on the pro team or we recognize that we want you to be at races. Here are free race entries. Right. And now win your money. Win your money because yeah. the because the the prize money is actually pretty good. <laughs> like it's yeah, but, I, so in Canada for for a couple of years it was based on not as good the yet. amount of the amount of um, people in the wave. So in the once age group silly. came once once age group came everyone went into age group and so the elite waves were like eight to ten people. <laughs> like honestly, at some races it was like twenty whatever, and so if it was under fifty. Like I would only win 150 bucks for a race, uh, which is like, whatever, I'm still doing it cause I love it. And that wasn't when I was doing it for like, let's say my income. Right. And so right. you don't really think the money, the money is really a bonus. Like I, I've never raced and like showed up at a race or been in the middle of a race and thought, Oh, I could win $500 here or whatever it is. And it's almost like after the fact, you're kind of like, oh, okay, well, that was actually nice. That pays for my flight or whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. That's like, but in terms of, so like, yes, the but the money that you're making in terms of like what the money was in the States was like pretty poor, but the money you're making at a race, even like 150 bucks for if you're going to go, if you're a like mid-level distance runner, even if you're a really good distance runner, like you're probably, Still, you're going to have... Yeah. You probably won't make that much even. Exactly. Even like a hundred bucks exactly. at like a road race. So like yeah. I think the prize money is actually okay. So like I would be fine if they just took away all this stuff and just like put more money in the prize money, but they probably yeah. won't. But I think they just overextended and it's just like now they gotta take things back and people are like, What you said It's all nice this that thing. It, it's nice that people are talking about it. You know, you need a few outspoken people that are totally. gonna just call it how it is and they're not being emotional about it or anything like some of those athletes that brought up things it's great so people actually understand it and understand that those guys at the top still have to work super hard to get certain sponsorships and they have to reach out and they have to get connected and it's not necessarily always a long-term thing you know i'm happy with the brands i work with now and some of them help me out more than others but all things considered they all seem like more long-term things and they're not just like signed for a season just so I can get some money and I don't really care about the product or whatever else. So um, I think in general, like I've always kind of been a little hesitant to like reach out or demand more. And that's also been a problem for the athletes, right? Is um, you undervalue what, what exposure you give and different things. Right. Um, So, you know, it's, it's good to talk to some of those U.S. guys or hear what they're saying and, and not, not, you know, whether you're asking from Spartan or you're asking from a certain brand. But um, again, it's just hard for brands to justify helping. They understand it, but they can't see exactly what the return on investment is. So, and that's, that's it's a the tough thing, thing. Right? It's yeah. almost like I, I, I hope that eventually it becomes into like racing teams and each team just like cycling or whatever else is like supported by and they have a they have like let's say an agent that works with the brands that they do and then you have your kind of but then you can get caught up in brands that you're promoting that you don't care about or that you don't believe in 
You'll still have, so, yeah, like you'll still have this, and this is still something that happens. Like a lot, a lot of like the the sponsored athletes are just kind of our brand ambassadors for these athletes, right. for these people that will give them right. product or something. And it's all like, things considered, now is like I'm totally a brand ambassador for uh, a few companies that I work for, right? And yeah. but at the same time, it still helps me out. And if it's a if it's a brand that I already use, and I like the people behind it and everything. It's kind of a fun partnership to be in, um, but again, it's it's just kind of like grassroots, um, and that's that's okay mm-hmm. as long as I you know I know that because I'm in Canada, I don't get the exposure from all the U.S. like coverages and everything like that, and um, you have a little less kind of weight behind everything, and you know I do a bit on social media, but I'm not. Um, all over the place. So yeah, I wouldn't, yeah, you're not like peddling like no, influencer no, no. style. No. Yeah. And so it's, it's, uh, it's been, it's been a tough thing. And, and part of me is like, you know, if, if all things considered, if I could just do my own thing and race. And the good thing is once I, once I choose things I want to race in or use or whatever else, then I kind of make the connection. Mm-hmm. And so it's already happening. It's just, uh, right. it's a nice partnership. And, so, um, yeah. it's an interesting thing. I think it's going to be in, it, it's funny now, even that people were questioning like the podium shirt and stuff and, and athletes were saying, well, if you're not supporting us, then like we want to wear the brands that are, and it's still, you know, people can tell from those photos that they want to spark. It's still good exposure for Spartan, right? They have the whole Spartan backdrop. They're in front of it. They, they still get a post. They usually have professional photos and it's, it's, it's whatever. But, um, yeah, I think, I think athletes can do it. They had that where you could put brand logos on the shirt Mm. and Mm -hmm. that, that could be kind of like a, I don't know, a connection that could stay like that if it, if it allowed for more flexibility, but it was, everyone was feeling so constrained that so much constraint over what they could and couldn't do with a, um, brands that were offering more to them, right? Yeah. And they were like, Spartan was just a little bit too controlling. So I think this is going to be a net positive. It's painful right now, mm-hmm. especially to the people who were relying on the support or were told or had the support in the past or were told they're going to get support. Like, totally. There's clearly going to be some pain there. And I understand why people are upset, but we shouldn't count on Spartan. We shouldn't right. have to. You know, yeah. like if, they, if yeah. they want to put money out out there for us to win, it'll get the good athletes there, and, and I think people will ride for that. But in terms yeah, you of should like, still, you should still be the deck of poster child, though. We should I'll just put still you on everything. It. Yeah, just put me <laughs> on the poster. You can pay me. Tell me whatever you. Yeah, yeah I'll do it. Yeah, but uh, but that's the thing. Like, so I think ultimately it will be better. But right now it just kind of sucks, and it's easy. And like, yeah, and, like, and they're they're in a weird season right now where they're getting a lot of flack, but they're kind of like, Hey, listen, like we're trying to pick up the pennies here. We're trying mm-hmm. to get things back on the ground. We're trying to get back into it. And, you know, in previous years, you know, you can see how they could have been better and they, they, sh- they could have been like, Hey, we want to support you in this or whatever else, but, or they should have just said at the very start, like they said, we got the email now. And the season's halfway done, <laughs> right. which is, which is like, you almost got it. And you were like, that was just off my radar. 
Like I was even, <laughs> I wasn't even thinking I was getting it right. But usually, like when the season ends, then you talk to your sponsors you've been working with, say, "Hey, here were my highlights from the season. Here's here's the exposure you guys got. It was great. I still want to work with you next next year. Let's talk about what I'd like to change or what I could do differently or different things like that." But that happens early, and if you you know you do it now, and then also some brands just get in. I feel like they get into Spartan, but Spartan doesn't let them truly get into the sport. Um, right. And then they they realize they're not making it well in the market um, for different reasons, and then they pull out pretty quick. And so if they were one of part of their exposure was to sponsor a few athletes, obviously that that exposure goes if they don't want to put the money into it. And like, what do you think would be better for brands? Not really. Like mm-hmm. at, at this point, and maybe I, I'm probably too close. We're probably too close to really see like how brands would be perceived from the outside with being identified with Spartan. Cause like now it's like, would it be better for a brand to side with the athletes? Since a lot, a lot of times, just like the general public seem to lean more toward athletes now, even in like bigger sports, right? It's like player empowerment. Like you don't, right. don't have like the players are able to move around much easier than they were in the past. Like maybe the general public will lean more toward the brands that will support the actual players as opposed to the, the teams or the sport itself. Like, and if right. it would be a bad investment for, whoever, whatever nutrition company to deal with Spartan than rather deal with the athletes, you know? Right. So, like it's like brand recognition, like sometimes Spartan could help that, right? Like totally. in or whatever else. But, you know, you talk about, let's say Reebok, for example. Okay. Who's going to, who's going to buy more Reebok stuff if they see Reebok Spartan race or they see myself winning a race wearing Reebok's stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, 10 people asking me about it or seeing me training in it and then just realizing that that's a legit product. I need to get that. It's going to be that secondary thing. So I think working with the athletes is great, but um, we're not all sports agents and we're like a lot of us are just kind of getting into this. So we don't know how to like, I think two years ago was the first year I actually thought to negotiate a little bit like throw yeah. back a thing. It was just kind of like, even when I was making actually making like decent money off sponsorships and winning and stuff like that, those were still all just given contracts. And I didn't say one thing about it. I was just like, sure. I'm happy. I was, because, I was like free yeah. entries. Ahead, so you kind of get, you get caught up to caught up in it. Right. And you mm-hmm. think, you think being part of the Spartan pro team is going to also give you more status to get other brands. So you accept that because you could right. could be like, okay, well, if a brand doesn't know very well and they're they're going to see that I'm on the pro team, that's going to give me more credibility. But credibility, then, yeah. Then we're accepting Spartans contracts that don't like don't give us anything except for that. Hopeful. Right. But yeah. but one thing you also realize is like winning one race or getting on the pro team or whatever, it doesn't really get you, you know, much. Doesn't Not as much exposure life. as you would think, right? You think no. it'd be a little bit more exposure, a little bit more helpful. I mean, I don't, I don't want to say it hasn't been helpful at all, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's not 
like going to be ch- and that's one thing because it's so loud right it's so cluttery you hope that just get some glimpse of exposure or some brought up a little bit but it's so saturated and so crazy right now that that like there's almost nothing anybody can do to help besides like you're the only person that can really help your your right. own brand right and and some brands i don't even work with and naturally i'm a good spokesperson for them you know yeah it's just good product yeah it's just good products and like obviously i'm using it so um that's you know it but it doesn't hurt to ask and that's the other thing i think like in general like even from canada and stuff when i go to the big like western like west virginia two years ago and when i got like i got fifth at west virginia and when i went there like i wasn't even in the gated like to get announced or anything and then one of the one of the girls that works for spartan she was like they brought a bunch of the Canadian employees to come be part of North American championships because they wanted kind of the teams from Canada, Mexico, US. And so she mentioned my name and then they called me up at the start of it. And I know when they called me up, like everyone was kind of like, well, who's that? Like, you know what I mean? And and it's and it's almost like you got to hold your own value sometimes a little bit. Yeah. You know, I, 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 yeah. So I think it's, I think it's kind of, it's nice to bring it to light because, um, you kind of see what, what some of those guys are dealing with, but also like what they had compared to, um, before. And they're just as valuable now, if not more. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see where it all goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I don't know. You gotta, you gotta get some sponsorships for Torque, and uh, that's the deal, right? That's the idea yeah. about the racing t- with the racing teams. That's yeah. kind of like yeah. what I was. I'm hoping. I mean, it's so young and so, but like totally. now, if the if like for me looking at it from from Torque, it's like, oh, okay. Like now there is there might be sponsorships up for grabs potentially. Now that things are, might be splintered apart, right? So for for the more freedom, there's more freedom, right? And so that doesn't restrain brands from from like working with a group like torque because they don't have to be in with spartan potentially mm-hmm. hopefully so i think it's good step but it's going to be um some time for people to just well, i'll tell it. you like in in canada in general even just you look at the olympics and stuff like that like sponsorships in canada are there's just not as much money in big corporations and big companies and stuff like that yeah um so i mean the u.s just has a lot more available and a lot more like good branding and big events and stuff like that so um it's a little different up here and i can't always expect whatever else but at the same time it takes a lot of pressure off so sure for um, sure yeah yeah it's okay well, Mick, I appreciate you joining me today. I gotta get, I gotta get running. We could talk all day, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm looking forward to uh, to Red Deer seeing you out there and out of Blue Mountain. Um, I expect nothing less but a four time. Easy win two. Are there gonna be? Is there a tiebreaker? There has to be like a tiebreaker with two races. Is Atkins gonna come? Yeah. Oh yeah, I think because there's sure. money. Why wouldn't he? Yeah. 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 He, there's money sure. now. Yeah, and um, it's and it's good. Like he rightfully deserves the title of. Canadian championship champion if he he's, he's comes and does it right yeah. right so like I'm not you know I always there's always an asterisk beside that because uh, like I said some guys didn't show up to all the races some guys didn't it was just like I was I was performing well but 
you know, those didn't necessarily, I still would have been happy and it, it's, it is what it is, but yeah, that's it would too, be nice. That's, and, that's too humble. I will not accept it. Three time <laughs> champ. You won that series. You took it down. Best in Canada. Well, I haven't but, lost in Red Deer yet. In Let's go. So bring it. Six races there. So that's, oh that's my, my one, yeah, that's, that's my spot. one, like, uh, even your, even, uh, even your Kirk DeWitt came up one year and, no uh, dice. that was like one of his first races and he was, he was just battling with me including like I was chasing him for a while. And, um, he, uh, he, he learned a lot in that race, but I mean, again, it's today. just like anyone's game. So yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun race. I'm excited. Hopefully it happens. We'll be following you for sure. And um, yeah, man, I'll make the link to all your socials. So I'm just going to press stop on this. I'm, I need you to stay on here for a minute and don't be good to yeah, go. Yeah. Or we're signing off. All right, later.